0: We're glad you're listening. Well, hello, Renew community. For those of you who don't know me, my name is J.R. Briggs, and my family and I are active participants in the Lansdale House Church that meets at Rick and Becky Vasso's house. Last week, we heard from our pastors regarding the vision of Renew as we blaze into the fall. And I'm excited for where we're going as a church. I hope you are as well. And I am so grateful for Doug and Ben and the elders of this church. They love and they care for our church and they have done so with faithfulness, wisdom, and courage through a tumultuous and unrelenting season that we've been in here in 2020. Let's continue to commit to praying for them and encouraging them and being patient with them through all the complexities that are before us. And in doing so, let's make sure that our eyes are pointed on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Well, a few weeks ago, I was humbled when Ben asked me to teach this week. And uh, today I want to talk about Mr. Rogers, venomous snakes, masks and other PPEs, decals on ambulances, our wounds, and the one Greek word that will be the most important word for the church moving forward, in my opinion. Now, the amount of pain and loss and wounds that have resulted from this pandemic, when all is said and done, it's going to be staggering. Of course, we know the physical pain and loss, but we maybe we've experienced the emotional and mental pain, the financial and economic pain, the social and relational pain, the racial pain, the spiritual pain many of us have felt. And I want to encourage you uh, to turn to Numbers chapter 21, Numbers 21, which I know you probably were in your quiet time this morning, and so it may be a repeat for some of you, but I want us to look at Numbers chapter 21, and then later we're going to look at John chapter 3. I know we just finished the book of John, but I want to circle back around and connect some dots here in the teaching here this morning. And as you're turning there, I want to teach you a Greek word. Now, some of you may remember this word, but it's the word sozo s-o-z-o now sozo in greek has a few different meanings it means to save or to deliver but it also means to heal now our current renew youth group is called rise renew youth student experience but it used to be called sozo a few years ago Uh, again, to save, to heal or deliver is what Sozo meant. And that's going to be really important. So stick a pin in that. And we're going to, we're going to return to that here in a few minutes. But as you're turning to Numbers chapter 21, you know, there is so much trauma that so many people have experienced. And we've seen some of these statistics as it relates to addictions, mental health issues, such as anxiety and depression, suicide attempts, All these are up over the last several months. Domestic abuse hotline calls are up significantly, especially when we were in lockdown a few months ago. Unemployment, eviction cases, parents are losing their minds with virtual learning, businesses have been shuttered, racial tensions and injustices continue to boil over. Trauma has always been here. Uh, But this year, it seems that trauma has been accelerated and intensified in this time. And trauma just very simply is unprocessed grief that leaves us disconnected and takes a great deal of time to process and overcome. Now this idea of trauma, maybe it was on the fringes before the pandemic, but it's front and center. Everyone seems to have been wounded by this new reality in some way, big or small. And trauma is not going away. We're going to have to deal with the pain of the world. At the beginning of the pandemic, I pulled off my shelf an old book that uh, I hadn't read for a long time. It had been several years, uh, and it was by the late Catholic priest and author Henry Nowen. And he really helped me put language to a Jesus-centered theology of suffering in this season. He used the language of Jesus as our wounded healer. In fact, the name of the book is called The Wounded Healer. And again, as a church, we just finished looking at the gospel of John. And I think in John chapter 20, what boils to my mind when I think about the whole book of John that we've looked at is in John 20, we see Jesus appearing to doubting Thomas. And Thomas says something so crass about his rabbi. He said, unless I see the nail marks on his hands and stick my finger in his side, I will never believe. And it's fascinating to me that Jesus does appear to Thomas. And of all the people in the room, he focuses on the doubter, and he invites Thomas to do just that, to stick his finger in in Jesus' side. Now think of it. Jesus' resurrected body still had scars on it. Jesus' resurrected body still had scars on it, and that has implications for us today. You know, many of us love and remember Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, and he had a quote. He said, when I was younger, my mother always said to me, when there's scary things going on in the world, he said, my mom would say to me, look for the helpers because they're always there. You know, in this season, I've been thinking about Mr. Rogers' uh, mom's quote, and if I can just tweak her quote just a little bit, we've seen so many scary things over the last several months. And I would say that right now, look around and look for the healers. Because the healers right now are what the world needs. I want to look at this story in Numbers chapter 21, starting in verse 4. It's a little bit of a strange story. Actually, it's a lot of a strange story, but it's an important one. So here's what it says in Numbers chapter 21, starting in verse 4. Now, the Israelites were, were in the wilderness. And they started complaining. This is what it says, verse 4. Then they traveled from Mount Hor by the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient along the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread or water, and we detest this worthless food. So the Lord sent venomous snakes among the people, and they bit the people. Many people of Israel died. And when the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he would take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous snake and set it on a pole. And when anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. So that if a snake had bitten someone, when he looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Now you may be thinking, what in the world? What a unique story. And it is a unique story. You know what I find interesting, and I want you to put your thumb there in Numbers 21, and I want you to turn to John chapter 3. Now, John chapter 3 is the very famous conversation that Jesus has with the religious leader named Nicodemus. Some people call this the Nick at Night scene. And so he's meeting with Nicholas, with Nick. And as he's meeting with Nicodemus there, he has this fascinating interaction. And many of us, even non-Christians, or even if you don't have a grasp of the Bible, you're, you're aware of John 3.16, right? That famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We know John 3.16 in the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. But most of us don't know what verses 14 and 15 are, the two verses that precede John 3.16. This is what Jesus says to Nicodemus. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. And then Jesus goes into the famous verse 16. Now what's going on here? Jesus is comparing Himself to the bronze snake that was lifted up that we just read in Numbers 21. Jesus references Numbers 21 right before the most famous verse for many of us in the Gospels. Jesus, He says, is the bronze snake, the one who was cursed and lifted up on a wooden pole. What was that wooden pole? It was a bloodied cross the one who took on the deadly virus of sin so that all of us may look to him and be healed. Jesus makes a declaration to Nicodemus that we've all, we have all are sin sick. We've caught the virus, the deadly virus of sin, but I am the cursed one that was put on a pole so that you may live if you look to me. Jesus says, my ministry is about healing. You know, healing is all throughout the gospels. In fact, 72 times Jesus healed or cast out demons in the gospels. He treated paralysis, immobility, skin diseases such as leprosy, which we call Hansen's disease today. He healed swelling such as dropsy, fevers, blindness, muteness, uh, dysentery, a uterine hemorrhage. And a withered hand, just to name a few. He also healed others whose ailments weren't specifically mentioned in Scripture. There are more verses devoted to the healing ministry of Jesus in the Gospels physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual illnesses, raising people from the dead, than any other experience, including salvation. Why is this? Because Jesus longed for people to be free. Healing at its foundational level is always about freedom, always. We see the sozo Jesus at work. Remember, sozo meaning to heal, to deliver, or to save, because when you heal, you save people. When you save people, you're healing them. Now, many people might think that the gospel of Luke might have the most healings in it. You know, Luke is a doctor, right? So you'd think that a physician would talk the most about healings, but it's actually the book of Mark, the shortest of the four Gospels. Mark records more instances of Jesus' healing than any of the Gospels. Almost a third of Mark is devoted to his miracles, including almost half of all the verses in the first 10 chapters of the book. Now, Jesus healed people with his touch, Right? Mark highlights especially how Jesus brought forth healing through touch. His touch healed Peter's mother-in-law in Mark 131 and brought a young girl back from the dead, Mark 5.41. He purposefully placed his hands on a leper, though it made him ceremonially unclean and susceptible, susceptible to contracting the disease. He caressed an older woman's hand and it caused her fever to leave her. He rubbed his hands on a blind man's eyes to make him see and stuck his fingers in a man's ears. Even when he touched a casket at a funeral procession, a young man was raised from the dead and offered back to his mother. At the same time, people wanted to touch Jesus. The sick pressed in on him, eager to touch him. But Jesus, in addition to touching, he also healed with his words. Sometimes the words were directed at sick people. Other times they were uttered from afar. Good news given to a messenger to send along on a journey. And sometimes the healing occurred because of bold, tangible acts of faith in people's lives. And most interesting, most interesting of all, Jesus healed through his spit. On one occasion, Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and placed it on a blind man's eyes. On another occasion, he spit into his hands and then touched the tongue of a man unable to speak. And most shocking of all, outside of Bethsaida, he spit directly into a blind man's eyes and then put his hands on him. Now, in our world, which is now indelibly marked by a pandemic, to think about spitting in someone's face as an act of healing today seems almost unthinkable, doesn't it? Can we imagine how surprising and disgusting this would have been if we were on the receiving end of one of Jesus's saliva miracles? Now, I want you to think about over the last few months, who are our heroes? You know, I just drove by Schwenkfeld Manor today, and out front it said, heroes work here. Right? Who are our heroes in our culture over the last few months? They're the medical first responders, right? the medical professor- professionals, the nurses, the doctors. In the springtime, you may remember that people all over the world were going to their balconies and their front doors at 7 p.m., and they were clapping and cheering as people were coming on and off their shifts at hospitals. And so how will the church stand by these heroes in our culture, in our world? Disciples must join the healers. In fact, we must join with Jesus, who is our wounded healer. And when we choose to follow Jesus as the wounded healer, we find that our wounds are being healed, but Jesus doesn't stop there. He believes in us so much. He loves us so much. He wants us to join in his mission. He says, even as I'm healing you, I'm now making you a healer to the world in my name. So he says, you follow me as the wounded healer, I will make you a wounded healer for my glory in the world. You see, we're in the shalom business because the kingdom is about the the shalom. Shalom, where everything will be put back together again in all of its rightness. There's healing, there's wholeness, there's harmony in all of its essence. Now, have you ever looked closely at the blue decal on the side of an ambulance? often referred to as the Worldwide Emergency Service's star of life? Have you ever noticed the lapel pin on a doctor's white lab coat? Or or the flag of the World Health Organization? What is it? That's right, it's a snake wrapped around a pole. You know, this widely recognized symbol of medicine is often referred to as the Rod of Asclepius. He was the son of Apollo in Greek mythology, the ancient god of healing mentioned in Homer's The Iliad. Dating back to the 5th century BC, the cult of Asclepius was significant and widespread. In fact, archaeologists have found 732 healing temples and shrines throughout the Greek and Roman world in his honor. Asclepius is often depicted holding a rod encircled by a serpent and is often confused with the more modern Caduceus. Which is the medical symbol of two snakes wrapped around a winged pole. Now, most scholars believe that the origin of the Rodus of Asclepius and the Caduceus can be traced back to the powerful stories found in Numbers 21 and in John chapter 3. Those who look to it will be healed. Next time you see a doctor's white coat, next time that you drive by, pharmacy, next time that you see an ambulance, next time you see the World Health Organization on the news, I want you to think about Numbers 21. I want you to think about Jesus's mission of healing that he finds traced back to this idea of the snake put on a pole. Now, my friend Dr. Susan Harper, who works at the American Bible Society in Center City, Philly, she reminded me that we see in the Gospels that Jesus and the disciples are healing others, but they're not healing themselves. You know, we live in a culture of the sovereign self in the West where we can easily turn this into self help. But the biblical vision is not focused on self help or on looking for me to heal myself. No, Jesus' vision is the opposite it's about self sacrifice. We, like John the Baptist, must use our index fingers and point not toward us, but toward Christ to show the world that your true healer, the wounded healer, is Jesus. In Henry Nouwen's book, The Wounded Healer, he said, the main task of the minister is to prevent people from suffering for all the wrong reasons. And by minister, he doesn't mean a pastor, a clergy, doesn't mean just Doug and Ben. It means a minister, someone who is ministering in the name of God, you and me, anyone who's a Christian who's called into God's mission, Is a minister so our main task now and says is to prevent people from suffering for all the wrong reasons earlier i mentioned that trauma is not going away well dr dr diane langberg she said that trauma is the mission field of our time brothers and sisters of renew we're called to be healers some of us are in the medical profession right? We have nurses and physical therapists. Uh, We have those who work in the pharmacy of a hospital. Some of us are social workers, school counselors, therapists. But the vast majority of us are not trained in this. And we might say, well, I can't do that. I'm not a healer. I didn't go to school for that. I don't have a medical background. And yet all of us, as the everyday people of God, can be bringers of healing. Yes, you and me. Because remember, we follow a sozo Jesus. Now I want to I want to really emphasize this. You know, you go by a lot of churches, church marquees or billboards or bumper stickers that say Jesus saves. And that's true. Jesus does. But in our culture right now, our culture sees that and gives oftentimes a collective shrug. The sozo Jesus, Jesus saves. But if we look at it differently, the sozo Jesus, what if we began to say instead of Jesus saves, Jesus heals. Now that's the felt need of the world right now. We all are wounded. We all are in need of healing. It's the same gospel, but a different expression. It's kind of like saying it's the same gem, sozo. But if we just turn it just a little bit, we see the light refracting off a facet of the gem in a new way that we say, yeah, Jesus saves, but oh, Jesus heals. We need the healing work of Jesus right now. Embracing a world filled with pain, if we want to be healers, wounded healers in the name of Jesus, we must be willing to walk with people in their anxiety, their disappointment, their setbacks, their loss, and their discouragement. If we want to be healers, we must be people who are willing to walk with people through their chronic loneliness, their isolation. And their disconnection, especially as we enter into the winter where isolation may increase. If we wanna be healers, we must lean in to conversations about race, regardless of the color of our skin. If we wanna be healers, we've got to be willing to take our wounds before Jesus and say, Jesus, do something. Henry Nouwen went on and he said, We do not know where we will be two, 10, or 20 years from now. What we can know, however, is that the man that is that man suffers and that the sharing of suffering can make us move forward. You know one of the myths of being a wounded healer is that we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to be the strong ones. In fact, we start by bringing our own wounds and weaknesses before God. With Jesus as our wounded healer, we have a sozo mandate to follow Jesus to be the wounded healers, the bringers of healing, not in our name but in the name of Jesus, and we bear our wounds because we are shalom people. That's what I call the sozo mandate. And our question to the world is the same compassionate question that Jesus asked the lame man at the pool of Bethesda in John 5. He asked him very directly, do you want to get well? Wounded healers, Jesus is our wounded healer. But he sent his disciples out with instructions to heal, to preach, and to deliver. And he sends us out to do the same in His name. So we say, yeah, but but how do we do that? Let me share with you a few specific elements. We must be careful about our masks. Obviously, over the last several months, many people have talked about the N95 mask and other PPEs. We've all purchased or made a mask. We wear them when we walk into restaurants and gas stations and grocery stores. But we also need to make sure that we pick up another kind of mask, and that's an oxygen mask. Just like when we're flying on an airplane, what do they say? If turbulence happens, make sure you put your mask on before assisting others. And Renew, we've got to be able to do that. We've got to be able to put our mask on first and breathe in the oxygen of the spirit in our lungs first before we can help others. But we've got to take off a mask. And one of those masks we need to take off are our masks of pretension, that we have to be strong or brilliant or have all the answers. We don't. We can't be wounded healers if we are pretending. And so we need to have the courage and authenticity to be real and to be honest. Before God, before each other, and before the world. Wounded, wounded healers are also committed to engaging in lament, awareness, and gratitude. Throughout this pandemic, oftentimes at dinner, our family will ask these, these three questions What has the virus taken away from you today? Number two, what has the virus given or not taken away from you today? And number three, what has the virus given to you today? And it's allowed us to talk about lament. What has it taken away? Awareness, what is it not taken away? And gratitude, what is it given to us? Because there are new opportunities if we can see them as well. But as wounded healers, we refuse to try to fix people. We're not saviors. We're not fixers. We're dealing with people, not cars. And so we need to be, bring ourselves fully to be fully present. Wounded healers are also courageously and compassionately listening and asking great questions. This is a ripe season, renew for people who are hurting to want to know, how do I get well again? And we can ask questions and listen well to lead people towards Jesus. Wounded healers also realize that they play a significant role in the healing process, but they believe that our true healing is rooted in the love and the power of God. I love what John Welshens said in his book, Awakening from Grief. He said, our job is to be a presence rather than a savior, a companion rather than a leader, a friend rather than a teacher. Let me say that again. He said, our job is to be a presence rather than a savior, a companion rather than a leader, a friend rather than a teacher. We can do none of this without the presence of the Spirit and the power of prayer. So let me end with these few questions. Where do you need healing right now? Where are you wounded and you long for healing? And what would healing look like for you? If Jesus were to say to you, Do you want to get well? And you were to say yes. And if he were to follow up and say, Where would you want healing? What would you tell him? And then conversely, how might you offer your wounds to the world as a source of their healing for others? Where do you see or sense wounds in others within Renew, within your neighborhood? within your place of work, within the world? And how and where might you join with Jesus to help others heal? We can receive healing in the process. Jesus can use us to help others heal too. That's the beauty of this wonderful God who sent his son, Jesus, to be that cursed snake who was raised on a pole that anyone who looks to him will be healed. So brothers and sisters of the Renew Community, go, and as you go, may you be reminded of the healing ministry work of Jesus, which is available to you, to us, that in our virus of sin, when we've been bitten by the snake of Satan, if we look to Jesus, the one lifted up on the pole, we will be saved. But may we also know that we are being commissioned to join Jesus's healing ministry as wounded healers. We are wounded and healing as we look to Jesus and wounded healers as we lift Jesus up to come alongside of others to be fully present with them. And so, be present with others who are hurting. Love with your eyes, with your questions, with your presence, with your prayers, with your care. Embrace the sozo mandate that Jesus saves, but what is most attractive to the world right now is that Jesus heals. Embrace the sozo mandate as being a wounded healer in the name of Jesus, pointing people to the true wounded healer. God bless, and bless God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.